Welcome to Two Travel Dads Podcast. Here we share our favorite destinations, travel tips, stories from our adventures, and bring on awesome guests to share insights into their travelsome lives. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out our detailed show notes at twotraveldads.com slash podcast dash episodes. Hey, this is Rob with Two Travel Dads Podcast. Um, it is just me today. Chris is not with me, but... That means that I get a special guest, and today I have Sid Williams Heath from Pensacola, Florida, here to chat about well Pensacola and all the reasons that I love it, that he loves it, um, and yeah, we've got I've got some questions for him about what makes it such a great LGBTQ friendly destination, beaches, you name it. Thanks for joining me, Sid. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm really excited about it and good to hear your voice again. I know. It's great to actually chit chat. So I met Sid through, um, he asked me to come and participate in the Stamped LGBTQ Film Festival in Pensacola, Florida this last fall. And I was pretty excited to do that because it's there's not a lot of events and activities surrounding LGBTQ families. And so I got to participate in the family day portion of it, which was really awesome. And really the whole thing was very inspiring to me. So I want to make sure we talk about that a bit. But first, I kind of want to talk a little bit about you because I find it's helpful to know a little bit about the person I'm listening to when I'm listening to a podcast. So why don't you tell us about you, how you found yourself in Pensacola and what your daily Pensacolan life is like? Okay, well, Lord knows how much time do you have because he loves a long story. So originally actually born in Philadelphia, dot, 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 Mississippi, small, small town, um, which as people get to know me, it, it doesn't actually make a lot of sense, but it was a lovely upbringing, um, small, quaint town, studied journalism PR at Ole Miss, hotty toddy, and then um, found myself working at the Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, which really, really got the, the love of advocacy for the arts instilled in me. Um, so worked in their like admin department um, and that was like half half a decade in Savannah. And I got based in, we're, we're getting to Pensacola, I promise. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I love Savannah and we have a place up there. So talking about Savannah could be a whole nother thing that we talk about sometime. Like if you're listening and you're not in love, then go to Savannah because it is just the most magical city in the world. I love it so much, so much. Uh, still working at SCAD, got based in New York. That was my main hub, a lot of boarding school areas there and i met my now husband who had just finished up dental school um, and was working at a hospital doing his residency and of course we are there thriving big city life big queer agendas and we decided hey we may want to relocate and he's originally from gulf breeze florida which is just right here on the outskirts of pensacola and it's funny because obviously we'll, we'll talk about Pensacola and truly the b- big moves that they're making in the LGBTQ plus lives and, and all the offerings that they're giving. But I, I don't think it was ever his intention to come back when he left. And I, I certainly didn't really know the area, but it's Florida. So what's happening? Um, but we came back and there was this huge push over the last decade. And it's not just infrastructure. It is the vibrancy of Pensacola. It's walkability. It's affordable housing. Um, It's initiatives, sure, in the queer community. It's infrastructure for the Jewish community. I mean, there are really just big moves happening in Pensacola. And 
if you're listening and, you know, we're here 15 years ago, you're probably thinking not a chance, you know, it was a good beach town, but it has made huge moves. And so we are grateful, um, one, to be back and two, just to be a part of that growth and, and kind of help be a part of the story. It's been really special. And I'm, I'm certainly glad, Rob, that you were able to be a little bit a part of that story so far as well. Yeah. Well, so with that and with kind of those initiatives and stuff you're talking about, what specifically is it that Pensacola has been doing or has on the docket that makes it such an LGBTQ plus welcoming city? I mean, I've been there and I get it. It, I mean, it's kind of like the Savannah of Florida almost, <laughs> you know, I'll take it. I'll take like, it. yeah, the downtown is, is beautiful and there's, you know, you can tell that it is an arts city, but besides being artsy, which tends to, you know, really have lots of LGBTQ involvement in it. What is it that makes it such a friendly and welcoming place for people and families like us? So, I mean, we'll start definitely with your very first point, which is their commitment and their investment in the arts. Because yes, as you say, um, that tends to be a more accepting and progressive community as a whole. And for the size of Pensacola, we're teeny tiny comparatively, um, to have a professional ballet, symphony, opera, um, museum of art. Uh, I have the pleasure of running the Pensacola Little Theater and the Cultural Center here. There is just a huge art scene and it is not only important for destination and bringing people here, but it also has been used as a tool to retain and bring back talent, um, bring back people who maybe like my husband left and said loved growing up there, but maybe something new for me. And so that's just been very evident and it's been very attractive, particularly for young professional queer folk. Um, for me, when I got here, so that would have been in 2016, I was so surprised to know that there was a sustainable and honestly thriving LGBTQ film festival. Um, because Lord knows had I had any way to see someone who lived or loved or looked like me on a screen in my little hometown, that maybe would have changed a, a multitude of things. And so immediately I, I start working at the theater and say, how can I get involved with this film festival? And it, it was, you know, a, I think maybe four years in. Um, and it was very nomadic, uh, you know, who has the space for one night and maybe we can set up a projector here for a different night. And I, I just tried to use the tools in my toolbox to offer that festival, whatever I could. And so we made a permanent home here at the cultural center, just so that logistically, one, it could accommodate more people. And two, we all know what a nomadic event can feel like it's confusing and do I go, but so to have that home was really special. Um, and the town's rallied behind it, whether that is, um, participating in local events and festivals that will literally pay you to make sure that they are diversifying their impact and their offerings, like Fufu Festival, um, local grant organizations, private donors, just, and, and not even just queer donors, but people who say, this is our town. We want it to thrive. We want the vibrancy. How do we make it sustain? And so um, now we are about to enter year 12, which seems crazy. Year 12 of that festival, which of course you were able to attend last year, and it's only gotten bigger. What I love is that the normalized and the, the celebrated parts of the festival got so ingrained in the community that then, of course, we're going to keep pushing that limit. And, and yeah, there, there are so many voids in LGBTQ plus friendly programming for families. Um, and so it was three years ago that we even sprinkled the idea of, do we have family day? Like, what does it mean to have 
queer families, because of course we, we, we call each other family within the community, but what about that population of people with kids or who want to have kids or who have married into kids? You know, what, what does that look like? And so it, it was a very humble beginning. I, honestly, I think maybe 12, 15 people the first year. Um, it, it was certainly a, more than tripled the next year. And then last year, we got a grant from an, another huge source and a, a huge part of the growth and commitment to diversity in Pensacola. And we got a grant from an organization called Sunday's Child. Um, it was actually our second, the first one we ever got funded the screen and projector that we've been using in the theater, um, specifically for the Queer Film Festival. And this year, it was to see how we could provide that programming for families. So uh, individuals like yourself, um, truly people from all around the country, a, a great mix of local representatives too. International. Speaking to, yes, yeah. I mean, it, it was a beautiful and just diverse array of people speaking on what their corner of the queer family world looks like. So, you know, for, for me and my husband, particularly, we, we don't have kids and we're we're one big happy family just like we are, but that's that's an itch that one day we want to scratch. And so, I mean, truly to have someone like you on the stage talking about your journey to parenthood or hearing single queer moms who are doing it alone or who have found love since they've had children and how that incorporates, it, it was so eye-opening. And then in the next room, because you know that one was for the adults, in the next room to be having these animations and these games and all these activities. I mean, I, I swear I saw two-year-olds there and it, I have chills talking about it because one, it was my first year as president of the festival. So that was just a really powerful way to go in. You know, year, year 10 was huge. So year 11 last year had had every right to maybe be a little bit more humble, but no, it, it really took off. And to see all those families, it was special. It's very special. It was really cool as a participant that I can't speak sometimes <laughs> a participant and yeah. just like in attendance observing everything it was really unique in terms of LGBTQ events that I've either visited or participated in everything about it had its very own character and the way that you guys were able to showcase so many different films and subject matter it was um it, it was it was really phenomenal so bravo you guys do a great job well it, we're only as good as the people who one attend and two the supplemental programming and, and offerings that we're able to offer yeah, so, um so two i want to go like two directions from there if i can yeah yeah uh, one is not getting too far away from the sunday's child topic who gave us those grant dollars this past year so Again, maybe you're listening from a, a huge town who is very progressive. But again, while I'm I'm impressed with Pensacola, we have to remind ourselves that we are basically in Alabama. Um, and so to have an organization who is also they're entering their 10th year this year, and they have membership, they get funding truly only by their members who support them every year, and they give out grants that are only driven through diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, and that they're predominantly LGBTQ plus oriented, but that is certainly not the extent of their mission. In fact, that their mission is solely diversity and inclusion. So, I mean, hospitals, nonprofits, artistic organizations, so many people will apply. And there is just that messaging of we won't even consider your application unless we can see your non-discrimination clause. If we can see the makeup of your leadership, because they are truly just trying to put their money where their mouth is to make sure that almost every organization is really, really focusing on 
how that we can be more inclusive. And and so I, I don't know if y'all have something like that there, Rob, I, I just thought that that was so delightful here. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, we've got like the St. John's Arts Council and such. Um, is Sunday's Child very specifically only Pensacola or like the Panhandle? It is. I mean, it's it's just Pensacola. It was started, you know, by a small group of people about 10 years ago that said, hey, we know that individually we can do something, but we're much stronger together. Let's let's let this be the focus and we'll give out grant dollars. That's awesome. It's insane. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And then what was the other, you wanted to mention something else about that too. You said you wanted yeah, to- so The other direction is I, I like to dabble if you can't tell. So visit Pensacola, obviously tourism destination organization for Pensacola does a beautiful job. And I have the pleasure and the privilege of being the treasurer for that board of trustees right now too. But for even the culture of their initiatives and their focuses, when they found out that Rob was coming, um, and that obviously in tandem with the film festival, they said, no, 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 no. We, this is something that we want in on. We would like to take Rob for half of this trip because we, we want to make sure that he's seeing so much more because we too think that there's a void in queer family friendly activities and Pensacola really has something. So I, I just thought that that was important to note too, is that truly sure. I mean, the, their goal is marketing, but they're very specific on the messaging that they're trying to present to the rest of the world, which is we want to showcase, we, we want to hear from, we want to learn and offer things for gay families, which I also thought was very special. And I think, so for me, working in tourism and having lots of conversations with people from all over the place, and particularly in the panhandle, it's really encouraging and unusual to have a destination in the panhandle, be actively pursuing that form of, you know, reaching out to the LGBTQ community and either, whether it be just like getting us in there as representation so that we can, you know, get our own photos that show our family, you know, enjoying it. Or if it's just, you know, getting onto like our channels to like share with people, it's great to actually see that because I know that there are at least two destinations there in the panhandle who have openly stated that they do not have an LGBTQ initiative and have no intention of specifically seeking out that that type of you know coverage and involvement within their destination so seeing that from pensacola which is so much bigger than those smaller panhandle towns is really cool and i think it's great to be a trendsetter on things like that 100 percent. and as we know if one thing controls anything it's money and so that i mean honestly between me and you and quite literally everyone listening um, that's why I've really enjoyed being treasurer for Visit Pensacola because, you know, to dive into the great marketing that their team does and to have a board that I, I'm certainly the only queer representative um, and, and I'm only there representing arts and culture, but to have everyone on the board go, no, no, we need to backtrack. Can we dive into that? I, we don't think that this this demographic is actually getting enough funding. And, and that's not just, you know, LGBTQ plus, but to say, you know, the black community, like that, that's a huge makeup here. And we have so many things to offer. Let's change how we're spending our dollars. So it, it's not just, you know, one big gay world. They, they truly have a great, great diversity of their leadership and their intention. Yeah, the great example for everyone here in the South. So yeah. just a couple more questions about Stamped. And then I do want to talk some more about the Gola too, because I mean, clearly you're, you're the ideal person to talk about both of these things. Um, uh, as far yeah. as what you guys have going on with, you know, the Stamped Film Festival for 2024 and the future, what are some, either some goals or some things you're already working on that 
we can expect to see or like what do you want to really accomplish with this year being year 12 and looking towards year 15 what what, what do you have, what have you got on the docket of course well it, it's from a timing perspective then we're actually having this conversation like just a couple days too early um because we meet as a board um for our annual eight hour retreat um next weekend and so i mean truly we all lock ourselves in a room and hash those things out you know what was successful about last year um because last year of course being the family focus but the year before that the focus was um creative professionals in the lgbtq world so you know, how we want to really gear next year. And so I, I certainly won't speak for everyone since we haven't had the opportunity to have that. But I'll tell you from the conversations we have had, we're so glad. One, 12 years of a gay film festival, just it's unheard of in my opinion. And it, it could have gone terribly wrong. And that's vulnerable of me to say. So I'm grateful that it didn't. But since it has gone well, and since the funding has been there, and since we are growing our audience, you know, the next year, the next five years are what happens beyond the festival. And how can we use our platform to not only have other culturally events throughout the year, uh, coming out days, pride months, um, you know, getting, getting those collaborations going. But from an educational standpoint, you know, this is such an interesting time in higher education in Florida because there, there are so many limits mm -hmm. on DEI. And so we've always been underdog is not the right word, but we've always been the one with the fewest resources to do those things. And now to have you know, large universities looking at us, like, how can you help? Because we quite literally cannot. And so, you know, how we can spend that and use our messaging, our resources to make sure that educationally, there are still offerings for that demographic and not just over a four day festival, but throughout the year. So, so we have a lot of work ahead of us, but it's some of that work that, you know, you, you smile the whole time doing, but it, it's really a good time to make a difference here. Yeah. And, you know, so it's funny because growing up, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest that is, you know, so very liberal in comparison to in the South. I also lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, which is interesting because now the Husky coach just went to Alabama and I went oh. to the University of Washington and then, ugh, the drama. Good times. Anyways, drama. where I was going with that is that I grew up in a place that really was so much more liberal than down here in the South and being able to like hear that, you know, you guys have plans for education and expanding how you guys are a part of the community and encouraging. I, I think it's awesome. Let's talk some more about Pensacola itself, because clearly it's a welcoming and awesome place to be. As far as like, I know what my favorite things to do are. Um, what is your absolute number one favorite thing when somebody's like, hey, I'm coming to Pensacola? Where do you send them? What is the thing that you think everybody has to do? What do you see as the big attraction besides the Pensacola Little Theater? Well, and certainly we'll talk about why that should be your number one attraction. But <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think that you just literally have to come and you just have to start your stay right smack downtown. Because the second you get here, you can absolutely tell that the walkability, um, the variety of restaurants and bars and art scenes and kids activities, I, it's all very saturated here in a very walkable, very picturesque space. What I love is whether that is from a tourism perspective or just a, a real person to person, let's call the spade a spade. You come to Pensacola first and foremost, usually for the sugar white sand. The beach is stunning. It is unpretentious. It is something that you can just go let your hair down, 
But what I think makes Pensacola different and, and why I would strongly suggest anyone just give it a, a one shot is, you know, that day on vacation where I, I don't know, maybe you got sunburnt the day before or, oh, no, now it's raining or the kid is literally driving you crazy. And you're like, OK, well, what what do we do? Because th- this is what we signed up for. This is the beach town. And that is my favorite part of Pensacola, because it's those moments that you realize totally separate across a bridge is this downtown that has such a variety of things to do. So you you come for the beach, but you really stay for the culture and the walkability downtown. And it's interesting because you say you come for the beach and there's Pensacola Beach, right? Which is a kind of a little barrier island in the Gulf. And then you've got the whole Gulf breeze section that you, you were mentioning earlier and it's its own town kind of but it's in between pensacola beach and then downtown pensacola yeah it's actually its own county too like it's just this and that's where we actually our our house is right across the bridge there so yeah we we're just squeezed right in between pensacola and pensacola beach oh that's funny so then so it's the beach vacation it's the downtown culture museum kind of city life vacation but eh, city life that's the wrong word what, how would you describe it? Because it's not city life. It's it's so chill downtown. It is. It is. I mean, it is larger scale beach life. But it, I mean, I, you're not wrong. It's it certainly become a little city. It's a quiet village. <laughs> Thank you, Belle. Um, um, you know, so someone had to do it. Um, yeah, well, it's that in-between too. And I think that the way we're talking about it right now will actually be very different terminology even five years from now because it is just... It's pushing forward. The progression, again, just not culturally, but infrastructure-wise, is just taking off. Well, and so another kind of huge element of Pensacola is the base, right? So you've got, you know, this whole naval station there. You've got the Blue Angels being based there. Do you feel like that is either like a huge draw for the tourism side or has a big um, kind of influence on what the culture and the vibe of the town is? I think it's all of the above because one, I mean, it it becomes a very transient town at times because of course you have people coming in and out specifically for that reason. But I mean, just the Blue Angels, oh my gosh, from a tourism perspective, yeah, if you're planning a trip and that's your jam. I mean, it is so fun to sit on the beach, watch that air show. It is, I mean, it's majestic. Show every day when the Blue Angels are on base. So no, um, kind of, so there are two main air shows throughout the year. And of course, and they do them not just in Pensacola, even though this is their home base, but you can see them practicing from time to time. It's very unplanned, but you know, when they come home every Sunday or almost every Sunday, you can't pinpoint the exact time, but you will see cars just pull over on the side of the road so they can stick their head out the window and look up because that kind of Sunday homecoming almost every week is, is always very special too. If you don't see it, you can certainly quite literally feel it. Um, but no, no, it's a huge draw. And again, for us, whether that's the volunteers we have at the theater or the people coming to the film festival, it just always guarantees that we're not just reaching the same audience, but that we always have um, you know, a revolving door of those willing to serve our military and also their families, but people that are coming to support them too. So it's it, it creates a very nice transitional phase here in Pensacola. That's pretty cool. It's it's such it's such an interesting juxtaposition of you've got the military base, you've got the liberal arts downtown, you've got the beach. It's it's fascinating. Um a couple other quick questions and then I'll let you go because I know you've got life happening all over the place. Um 
when would you say is the best time for anybody to come and visit Pensacola? I know right now, you know, it's January in Florida and we are not having Florida weather. Um. <laughs> so I'll tell you, and, and there are so many ways to answer that question because yeah, sure. Summertime and beaches, my stock answer that will always be the first two weeks of November. We, we know that. And we celebrate that through a festival every year called Fufu Festival and it's an arts festival, two weeks, great programming, um, grant oriented. We get to do kind of avant-garde things, but there is something about those two weeks. There is no rain, there's no humidity. You can still absolutely get in the water. I, it, it is God's gift to earth of weather every year. And some people like to wait and see the lineup of what the offerings are that year. But truly I tell people just to book Pensacola one or both of the first two weeks every year of November because it will be artier, bigger, and better than ever. So what is Fufu Festival? So yeah, not just a music festival. And truly they leave the brilliance up to the local nonprofit arts organizations. So um, they usually have four to $500,000 worth of grant funds that they'll give out. And for like us as a theater, for example, um, they say, well, we're not going to pay for you to do a show that you were already doing. But What's something a little bit outside of your normal, just bailiwick of creativity that could really be interesting and draw people. But I mean, that is um, theater, opera, symphony, uh, the Quilters Guild, every restaurant and bar become friends of food to have drink specials and culinary tours. So, I mean, it's it's kind of just come one, come all. And then it culminates around the great Gulf Coast Arts Festival, which is, I mean, just miles and miles and tents and tents of local artists displaying their work. Cool. Awesome. And that's, that's in November. Interesting. Okay. I know. I know. Trust me though. The weather mwah, special. One other thing about this, I totally forgot to ask you about it earlier. I know. Cause we talked about it when I was there a couple of months ago, you guys are doing a whole reno project on the theater. You know, we're talking about all these different arts happenings. We're talking about stamped and it all kind of revolves around this theater. What's happening in the Pensacola Little Theater? Is it going crazy? Are you guys renovating or demolitioning? What's happening? Gosh, all of the above. And you quite literally at points in this conversation, I'm sure could hear hustling and bustling and alarms and things. Um, so, yeah, so we're in the old county jail and county courthouse building. Very old. Um, and then the theater, actually, the theater's been around since 1936, but we bought it in 88 took about a decade repurposing to make it the cultural center. Um, and so, you know, at, at the time, I think that there were up to 26 nonprofit organizations that were in here. And now fast forward to today, um, theater is certainly predominantly the, the biggest artistic representation, but we have um, the ballet, we have a literary federation, writer's guild, um, a church on Sundays, the gay film festival here. So it, it, it's very just um, kind of the hub for arts and culture. And I love the question you asked earlier about what's that one thing you recommend? What's that one place? And, and I say all the time that as wonderful as Pensacola is, we're missing that sense of arrival, like that one place that you're like, no, 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 no. If you're going to go stop there. And instead of just being broad like downtown, uh, that's what we're renovating this space to be now. So quite literally, the entire building is a bunch of dirt. It's our dirt, which is great. Um, to redo 
the main theater that seats about 500, the Black Box Theater, we are incorporating an art gallery. Um, we have a public parlor uh, bar right when you walk in. It's our atrium. It's quite literally the center of the center. It used to be exterior um, that connected the jail to the courthouse. Really cool. We are adding a rooftop bar because we sit right overlooking the bay. And for some reason, Pensacola does not have rooftop bars. But so we're making a whole rooftop performance venue where you can come have a performance, have a sunset, have a sip um, while all the other elements are moving along, too. So, it's, yeah, so it's, it's really becoming kind of the center of downtown at the center. I love that. So that's the cool thing. The one thing that is going to be if somebody hasn't been there, that's the, they need to put it on their list is to come to the theater to see something happening there and get a rooftop beverage. I love that. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm obviously biased, but it, it's really, it, it's going to be timeless and a real, a real destination, I think. Well, so you may be biased, but also like, I think there's a reason that you work both with the theater and the festival and with the tourism board is because you actually care and you live there and it's all a part of your actual life. So being biased is totally okay. <laughs> take it. We'll take it. We'll take it right now for sure. Awesome. Well, um, thank you for joining me today. I can't wait to come back to Pensacola. I love it. going to have this and more. I've got, gosh, what, three articles going live on the blog all about Pensacola and Pensacola Beach and all the things to do over in Perdido Key, which we didn't even get. Yes, to. yes, uh, yes. Because there's just so much in this little tiny slice of the Gulf Coast that I love. So check out the blog for that. And we will have all the links over there for everything for the Pensacola Little Theater, for Stamped, for the city, all the cool stuff that we've talked about. Thanks for joining me today, Sid. And I know I'm going to see you sometime soon. I cannot wait for that. Thanks for having me. And yeah, yeah, keep, keep queering. We love it. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And you can get us wherever you get your podcast, whether that is iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Two Travel Dads podcast is created by Rob and Chris Taylor in St. Augustine, Florida. We'd love to answer your questions here on the podcast, providing both our experience and stories to share our own insights into whatever you're wondering about. Visit twotraveldads.com slash podcast dash episodes to leave your questions and to check out past episodes and show notes. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and have an awesome day.